your Bibles, hold it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, Winter, June and July is usually our outreach month and uh, this year uh, the title of the series that we're going to be teaching on starting next week going onwards is called Reaching Our Community or Reaching the City of Jobek which is where God has placed us and we are trusting God for 200, someone say 200, 200. new stories of new friends that you have made. So these testimonies are going to come from you so you're gonna tell someone you have never spoken to about Jesus uh, Amen. so you're gonna make a new friend and it starts with a hello on the how train bus or on the how train on the, you can't just stand in there and be quiet <laughs> and be all up in your business and all about yourself amen you need to make new friends and talk to people at the office and so on and so forth. So this is a challenge and whatever stories you get, please bring them. We're going to put them together, put a video together of 200 new friendships and visits to our church. Amen. Let's go to Luke chapter number 15 verse 11. This is the story of the, parab the parable of the lost son or the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, from verse 11 to 31, the Bible says, Then he said, speaking of Jesus, A certain man had two sons. He had how many? Two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. And so his, he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with, a pro with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And I want you to notice something here. The father had two sons, and the younger son uh, was a son, but he decided to move away from uh, uh, the house. And there are two aspects of a relationship with our father, with our heavenly father. The first one is that all of us are God's children. We are all God's sons, daughters too. We found out last week, amen? amen. That, you know, daughters are sons. Why? Because spiritually there is no gender. Yeah. Yes. We are all the same spiritually. There is neither male nor female. This is why specifically in this church, we don't mind uh, women preaching. Uh -huh. Amen. Because we are all the same spiritually and they are preaching or ministering from their spirit, uh -huh. not the flesh. Uh -huh. Hallelujah! Amen. And so, uh, 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 there were two sons. The other one decided, hey, I'm a son, uh, but I'm going to go and live in a far country. I'm going to take my stuff and live in a far country. It's a mindset that some have in the church. You know, the minute I get that job, then I don't have to be in fellowship with the father. I don't have to be in the house. But here's what began to happen when he moved away from uh, being in fellowship with the father. In fact, before I even talk about that, I have a question for you. When he went to a far land, was he still a son? In other words, the relationship was still there, right? 
what was suffering was his fellowship with the father. And there is a promise for those that stay in fellowship with the father. Remember what it says in Psalm 91, he who dwells, not he who visiteth. When he wants a job or a blessing, right? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty or shall find security. The Bible says when he moved away from fellowship with the Father, he began to waste his substance. You're going to see it. Watch what it says. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land. There he joined himself to a citizen of that country. And his... And he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that swine ate. I mean, he moved from a kingly position to eating swine food or pig food with the pigs. You know why? Because there was no fellowship with the father. There was not that aspect of staying in constant communication with the father. And he would gladly have filled his uh, stomach with the swine uh, uh, a food and no one gave him anything but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare yet I perish with hunger I will arise and go to my father and will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I like this dude. At least he came to himself, right? At least he realized there was something wrong with the picture. He wasn't trying to religiously justify his position. Oh, well, God has put me in this place to feed on this kind of food because he's teaching me a lesson. And God wants me to learn how uh, uh, the poor people live so that when one day when I'm rich, I can relate with the poor. No, God can put that in your heart in an instant. Shoo. Poor people suffer, take care of them. Amen. Bill Gates doesn't have to know how malaria feels like for him to want to cure all malaria. Amen. God can put it in your heart. So I like this dude. He wasn't trying to justify it religiously. He was like, there's something wrong with this picture. Uh, if there's sickness in my body, man, there's no need for me to justify. I might not know what's going on, but guess what? This is wrong. Because there is a promise in the word that says he wishes above everything that I prosper and be in what? Good health. God wants me to be in good health. So when I get sick, I fight it. So this dude was eating with the pigs and he was like, no, there's something wrong with this. You can help a dude like this. Not a religious lunatic that tries to justify their position <laughs> or bring the word to where they are. Man, what we need to do as faith people is to consistently strive to reach the level, the perfect level of the word, regardless of how far we are. If the word says you are the head and not the tail, man, I strive to be the head and not strive to make excuses. I might not be there right now, but guess what? I'll take steps of faith, knowing that that's where my heavenly father wants me to be. So this dude was like, man, there's a problem. And the first step to solving life problems is to identify them. He was like, man, there's a problem with poverty. And poverty is a problem. Particularly for us over here in this continent. And it's a mindset. He began to say in his mind. Let's go to Proverbs chapter number 4 verse 23. Thank you Jesus. 
Oh, it's going to be good. I may not even read the rest of that story, but that's good. See, every time you uh, move away from the Father and fellowship with the Father, you waste substance. This is more than money. This speaks of your identity. This speaks of your calling. You know, whatever God has called you to. This speaks of, you know, I mean, it's, it's bigger than what we see with these physical eyes. Amen? And the Bible says he began to be in want. But watch what it says in uh, Proverbs chapter number 4 verse 23. Keep your heart. Let me read it in the King James Bible. If you will. Keep your heart with how many? Oh. How many? Oh. He says guard your heart with all diligence. With everything that you have, guard your heart. Guard the mental pictures that are formed in your heart. This man was a son, but his mental picture had been uh, downgraded to that of a servant. He was like, man, even the servants in my father's house. The picture that he had in his heart was that now of a servant because of the situation he was in. And here the Bible is saying, man, the thing you should guard above everything is your heart. You know why? He tells you why. Because out of it or for out of it are the what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Out of your heart are the issues. That word issue in the Hebrew is the word limitations. It is the word boundaries. So the boundaries you are seeing in your life are not because of a government regulation or policy. Well, they started in seed form as a government regulation and policy. And then you took them and sought them into your heart and started forming mental pictures with them. And when you did that... Out of your heart are the limitations. Not out of the anything on the outside. See, the Christian life is a life lived from the inside out. So if you don't change who you are on the inside, if you don't embrace your sonship and your identity as a son on the inside, it does not matter what they're doing out there. You will still be limited. Yeah, amen. I always share this testimony. Uh, my wife got promoted uh, in a job when they had... Uh, uh, a job freeze or movement freeze in the organization. Guess what? When they announced the job freeze, she could have taken that seed and put it in her heart and formed a mental picture of not moving in the organization for the next two years, whatever, how long they had said. But guess what? She did not plant that seed in her heart. So she still had a picture of movement. And guess what? The policy had nothing to do. Man, whatever happens on the outside has nothing to do with how your life turns out to be. Amen. Uh, Amen. It's what's happening on the inside. Even in the animal kingdom. If you speak to dog whisperers, and I watch this show with this dude, he goes and takes problematic dogs that just likes to bite and he trains them and changes them and makes them. And one of the things that he says is that this dog will treat you the way you see yourself on the inside. He says if you, if, if you have fear, he says even the animal kingdom can see fear. They can sense fear and they want to bite. Have you ever seen those dudes that go into, you know, a lion's den and they play with lions? And uh, Man, them dudes have a different mental picture in their heart. They have no boundaries. 
And I'm not trying to say you should go and try that. Okay. <laughs> Amen. But it's in the heart. They've seen it in their heart. I mean, this is why the Bible says even the creation, it awaits eagerly the manifestation of the sons of God. Those that see themselves as God's children. Listen, God never wanted slaves. He never created us to be slaves. Never created us. Religion will tell you God created us to be soldiers. Man, God is seraphims and cherubims. Man, you know, seraphims and cherubims can kick the behind. <laughs> they have a strong fortitude for war. God is not going to use a human being to be a soldier. Man, one seraphim, one cherubim could kick 170,000 strong in an instant. Just 170 died in the Old Testament. Now he's going to use you and me to be soldiers? No, when he created you and me, he wanted a family. He wanted children. He wanted people he could relate to as his kids. Not slaves, not servants, not prisoners. Not soldiers, but children. And I said last week, the Bible is not a book about a deity and his creation. It's not a book about a king and his subjects. It's a book about a father and his children. In fact, that's the reason they wanted to kill Jesus. Did you know that? The first time they wanted to stone Jesus was not because of the miracles or everything else he was saying. Jesus had gone before them and he, was, he kept calling God Father. And they said, now we're going to stone you. <laughs> and he said, why? For, for, for which one of these good things that I have done are you going to stone me? They said, no, not for the good things, but for you as a man. Calling God Father. You know why they had issues with that? Because when you call God Father, you're essentially saying, I, I'm created and I'm made in His image and likeness. Yeah. Uh, well, they believe that. They believe the verbatim, but they don't believe the reality of it. Uh, amen. They read the first five books and they read that part, but they don't believe that God created them of, of the same stuff. Uh, in His image and in His likeness. So we are God's children and we need to embrace the reality of who we are in our hearts. Because if we don't, we'll have boundaries, we'll have limitations. Man, I wish I could just have a, 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 a bumper sticker to change your life. Get this bumper sticker and your life will be different. <laughs> but that's not scripture. You won't find it. I wish I had some, you know, little thing that you can spray whenever you feel like, you know, you don't feel like a son, just and then you, you feel like a son. No, the only thing you're going to have to do for you to start walking in your sonship is to change the pictures in your heart. Let the word of God form the pictures that are in your heart. Man, I wish there was a papa, a prophet I could point you to that can just lay your hands on you. And then you start living as a son. But you won't find it in scripture. You're going to have to start changing the way you think and align your thoughts to your identity. Know who you are. And start having that in your heart. Amen. Amen. The Bible is clear. Out of your heart are the issues. Out of your heart are the limitations of life. You know, they did this experiment a few years ago. They took a, a, a grasshopper, put him in a, a bottle, and they put a lead on top of it. And every time the grasshopper would jump, he would hit the lead. 
Just jump, hit the lead. Jump, hit the lead. That typifies a, a believer who is still in the world. But God has translated us from the kingdom of darkness into, into the kingdom of his dear son. Into his spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is the freedom. So you took off that lead. Took off the limitations. But because we had been programmed to think that every time we jump, we're going to hit the lead. The grasshopper could only jump to where the lead was. But if he could take a strong leap of faith, he could have jumped out of the little thing he was confined in. You know why? Because there was no confines anymore. There are no more confines for you to succeed in business. There are no more confines. Man, you could bring up the color of your skin, but your heart, your heart is the same. It bleeds red. If we cut you, we all bleed red. It's in your heart. The limitations are in your heart. Hallelujah. Man, this is good. Remember the children of Israel? God asked them to go and spy the land that he had given them. And then they went. And what did the ten spies say when they came back? They said we were in our eyes as what? I didn't hear that. Whose eyes? Whose eyes? The government's eyes? ANC's eyes? Whose eyes? They said, man, we saw ourselves as grasshoppers and so were we in their Man, life treats you the way you see yourself in your heart. Someone shout, I see myself winning. And you're going to start winning. Man, if you see yourself losing, here's the deal. God is not going to argue with you. You know why? Because he has already given us the power. To create. He has given us the power to go all the way. I mean there was this other experiment they did as well with the piranha fish. Piranha fish is an aggressive uh, flesh eating fish. I mean if you put your hand in the, in the pond where the piranha is. By the time you pull it out it will just be bones. He's aggressive. They just go at it. So they took the piranha, put him in a fish pond and they put a glass divide uh, between him and the other fish that you'd normally eat. So every time you saw the fish on the other side, you'd aggressively attack and hit the glass thing. Hit the glass compartment. Hit it. Hit it. And after about 30 days, they took it off. Translated him from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. And when he was translated, guess what? Now he had access to his provision. But he was not aggressive anymore because he had been trained in failure. He had been trained in profit and loss. There is no profit and loss in the Bible. There is profit. Amen. Amen. Praise be unto God who always causes us to what? To win. Not win, you know, and lose sometimes. No. Praise be unto God who causes But you went to college. You spent some time with some doubters and prognosticators and they've trained you in, in the area of profit and loss. You win some and you what? lose some but you won't find that in scripture Jesus won them all and he said these things shall you also do what win them all and greater things shall you do because he goes in man he even calls you more than a conqueror so there's a level called conqueror he says you are more than that level called more than a conqueror in other words you win all the time but if your mental picture is that of a grasshopper guess what God will let you have it so you're going to have to start thinking like a son. 
You know, we were at Life Group, and someone gave an illustration that I thought was just amazing. They said if uh, someone went to game and they bought you a TV, and they came and gave you a slip, which says, you know, Bruce has bought me this TV. It's been paid for. And here's the slip. All you have to do is to take your ID. That is who you are. Right? And take the slip with all the details of the things that I've paid for you, and go to the claims office and claim your TV. Now, what would happen if you went to game and the guy at game said to you, well, we don't sell TVs here. What would you do? See, some of you already are like, there's no TV, but some of you are already like, you know, pass the tea, man. I'll take care of it. Amen. And it's the same thing. When you know who you are in Christ, your ID, your identity. And when you know what Christ has already, watch this, paid for. And when the enemy puts some little sickness on you, man, you should be irate, just like you are irate about the TV. Amen. Cannot be denied. Some of you will go there and if that dude says, we don't sell TV, can I see someone else? Who's in, in fact, who's in charge? Yeah, I want to see who's in charge. So I can deal with this. You bring it, right? That's the same way you should bring it when it comes to the promises of God. When your finances aren't acting right, you should bring it. Because that's not the normal situation or position for a son to be in. Because you're not a slave in the kingdom. You are a son. Hallelujah. So who you are will definitely bring you into this place. Let's go now to Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 3. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, let's go to Galatians chapter number 4, because I only have two minutes. Galatians chapter number 4, verse 1. It's 28 past, right? What time is it on your phone? Yeah, I didn't realize that time was flying. Okay, three more scriptures. Can we do three? Yeah. Okay, Galatians chapter number four, verse one. Watch what it says. It says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be what? Lord. I didn't hear that. Lord. So here he's saying, You are Lord of all, yeah. but you will be different from a servant if you don't grow up. Did you see it? So you're going to have to grow in the knowledge of who you are. If you want to take advantage of all these promises that God has bestowed before you. You're going to have to grow up. And the way you grow up is by food. See, natural uh, growth and spiritual growth come differently. You know, my wife just turned another year this year. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Today. And... uh, She turned because, you know, time went by. But that's not how it works with spiritual growth. You know, pastor, I've been in the church five years, so I must have grown. No. (laughs) You grow based on what you're eating. No food, no growth. Lots of food. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14, verse 20. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians... Chapter number 14, verse 20. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, this is good. First Corinthians 14, 20. Watch what it says. Brethren, be not what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. 
Why should we not be children? What did he say in Galatians? Because if you stay children, you'll be not different from a what? So the apostle Paul doesn't want you to live as a servant. So he says, don't be a child anymore. In other words, grow up. Hunt your neighbor and tell the man, you're going to have to do some growing. You're going to have to grow. You're going to have to grow. You're going to have to grow. And here's how you grow. Here's how you grow. Brethren, be not children in understanding. How be it, uh, in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men. Give it to me in the NIV. Brothers, stop what? See, the only reason you are a child is because you think like one. It's mind renewal. If you want to grow, you're going to have to start thinking in line with God's word. Hallelujah! Remember he said, uh, 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 be simple concerning that which is evil. And he said, be wise concerning that which is good. The only way to grow is not to spend all of your time studying Illuminati. (laughs) Or studying why your business should not succeed. Or studying multiple sclerosis. I was trying to pronounce it in the early church, man. Now I can. Multiple sclerosis. That's not how you grow. You grow by studying the truth. In fact, he says, be simple concerning that which is evil. That word simple is, be a simpleton. Be a retarded person when it comes to uh, you failing. You should not know any reason why it should not work. People know more reasons why it should not work than why it should work. You know, this color of my skin, because 30% of people are aware my color of my skin have died since 1957. But what does the Bible say? The doctor said this thing is incurable. It has been incurable since 1963. But what does the word of God say? So they know more about failure than they do about what? Success. And here's something else, man. When people start talking down on uh, uh, prophets, they are false prophets. But you have no time uh, uh, investing your time studying a false prophet. Invest your time in being one and showing us what a true one looks like. Uh, Man, we can just get into your inbox and show you whether you're wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. We can go, what kind of messages do you forward? What gets you excited? (laughs) What gets you excited? Like, oh, this prophet is a, yeah, now I need to forward to everyone in my inbox. What gets you excited? What gets you moving? Is it success? Is it the truth? I mean, you got Pastor T's sermon last week, right? And it was loaded with good stuff. You didn't forward it. Now they caught this false prophet cheating on his wife. Now, all of a sudden, you have lots of data now. Now you, all of a sudden, now you come alive. Man, let's move on. It's getting, it's getting real sticky in here. He says, uh, in regard to evil, be what? Did you see that? Yeah. He says, in regards to failure, to uh, 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 why it should not work, be a child. But in regards to you winning, be adults. He says, but in your thinking, be adults. Think like a son in the house of God. Not like a servant, not like a slave, but like a son. You know what sons do? 
Sons act like sons. They don't beg. Man, what would you do if you went back home and your child is begging you for dinner? You know, some of you who are parents, your child is rolling on the roof. Mommy, can I have dinner, please? please. And then the, 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 the visitors come and they see that. What are they going to think? They think you are a cruel parent, right? And that's exactly how we treat God. When we want something from God, we don't act like sons. And God is sitting there saying, man, come into my presence. Come into the throne room of grace with boldness. Come here like a son. And we would rather go, you know, uh, uh, rolling and uh, crawling on our bellies. Just, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, me, me, Lord, I'm a sinner. He's saying, man, I've qualified you as a son. Uh, man, we want to untwist God. We want to throw tantrums. The one time I went back home and my little girl, you know, she was throwing a tantrum because she wanted some yogurt in the fridge. And guess what? I was asking myself, man, we bought this yogurt for her. There's no need for her to throw a tantrum. She can just open the fridge and grab the, the man, we bought it for you. And God is looking at some of us praying, man, he's thinking, man, man, you don't need to treat me like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ came and I paid for it. I paid for your healing. I paid for your prosperity. I paid for your salvation. But we tried to untwist God. Man, we're rolling on the floor. We're doing a thousand things and extra. Man, just go into the presence of God and treat Him like a father and expect from Him. He even said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how about me? Your father. How will I not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He said, man, which one of you will, uh, if your child asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion. Ask for bread, you give him a brick. Which one of you parents? He says, man, if you, natural man, know how to give to your children, how much more me? When you go to God with that attitude that I'm a son and God wants to give to me, it makes your faith easy. But if God for a revival, let's put together a thousand people, bombard the gates of heaven, hold God's ransom, you know, butter gumbo. Someone hold God's leg, someone's hand, I'm twist him, let's hold him. Never let him go until he blesses us. Have you ever heard those prayers? And I've been to those prayer meetings. <laughs> and we were praying that. Midnight prayers. Man, we used to do midnight prayers. You know why? Because we wanted to earn it. And I'd feel guilty because I'd wake up at like one past twelve. <laughs> and I feel like I missed my appointment. How many of you in here, fathers, would walk away from the meeting place because your child was one minute late? One minute late! But that's how I was treating God thought he was a cruel God, you'd walk away on me if I'm one minute late. Oh, I'm one minute late, he's not going to listen to me anymore. And God is your heavenly father. He wants you to embrace your ID. You are a son in the house. And as you grow up in that ID, guess what? All things will begin to work. Let's go now to First Peter chapter number 2 verse 2. This is how you grow. Is this good? Yeah. So you're going to have to change the way you think. Amen? You're going to have to change the way you think. And the word of God, the, the word knowledge and changing the way you think, just that doesn't stop there. We'll show you where it goes. Amen. First Peter chapter number 2 verse 2. Watch what it says. As newborn 
babes or babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. May I have it in the King James Bible, please? As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So how do you grow? Through milk. What is the milk? It's the word of God. So if you want to grow, you get yourself some milk or you get yourself some word. And as you drink that word, you will begin to grow. Please give it to me in the NIV. Like newborn babies crave. Someone say crave. Crave. That word crave uh, means a powerful desire for something. You know, a strong desire for something. I remember uh, flying to the U.S. and I had a craving for a Dunkin' Donut. I had a craving. It was a strong desire in me. I mean, I was thinking about it on the plane. And when I got to the airport, man, I could hear them donuts calling me, drawing me. It's like it's, it's a drawing. Man, it's pulling you. So it didn't matter uh, that I had been flying 16 hours and I was tired. The craving was still there. And it gave me life. Man, it will give you energy. When you have this craving, it will give you energy. It will give you life. And you can, you can, this is why the uh, uh, job said, man, I desire your word or I crave your word more than my necessary food. Amen? Amen. He said, your words is like uh, uh, honey on my lips. As you eat that word, you begin to grow. But you have to crave it. As newborn babies desire or crave sincere milk of the word, so that you may grow thereby. Amen? The only way to grow is to get into the word. And get the word of God on the inside of you. The word of God is food. And if you're going to grow, you're going to have to get into the word. Amen? Man, I wish it was different, but this is what it is. Get into the word, you're going to grow. If you don't get into the word, you'll stay a child. And if you stay a child, you'll be no different from a what? Because you can't take advantage of what God has already paid for you. Hallelujah! Let's go now to John chapter number 8, verse 32 as we close. John 8, verse 32. John chapter number 8, verse 32. In the King James Bible. God's version of the Bible, right? God reads the KJV. <laughs> it's a joke. Don't write the church office an email saying, Pastor, it's a joke, okay? Watch what it says in verse 32. Let's read it all together. Ready? Read. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? What will the truth do? Now, to a Greek Hellenistic mindset, knowing the truth is the ability to regurgitate the truth in a test, in an exam. But to a Hebrew mindset, knowing the truth is the ability to take in the facts, understand them, and act on them. So a Hebrew man doesn't think you know it just because you can talk about it. So to a Hebrew man, man, you could talk about the uh, concept of relativity and gravity and stuff. But until you get on that airplane and believe you're going to overcome the law of gravity and tap into the law of lift, will we believe you? 
So he only believes you at the point of acting. It's like you and me when we went to get our driver's license. The first part of the driver's license is to get the stuff in. But how many of you got the driver's license the minute you passed the learner's test? They want you to come back, right? And show us if you can do what you're talking about. You know why? Because talk is cheap. Can you do it? And this is why Sister Mara was talking about the overflow. When you want to touch other people's lives, you're going to have to do it from the overflow. From having lived what you're talking about. Because words are cheap. And I always say this, man. I don't practice what I preach. I preach what I've practiced. I'm the best customer, the number one customer of my sermons. If I'm preaching about giving, you best believe I've already given. And I'm participating in giving. If I'm preaching about honoring my wife and uh, treating her with respect, you best believe that I'm treating her that way. Otherwise, it's just words. And words never change people's lives. But when you minister from the overflow, spirit will bear spirit, uh, a witness with another spirit. And he said here in verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But how many of you know that the story didn't start here? Because the word end, in the English language, you cannot start a sentence with the word end. The word end is a conjunction, a connection between two thoughts. <laughs> Just like you can't go to Nando's and say, I want and chips. <laughs> They'll say, what? And chips. Let's find out what the what is. Verse 31. This is where the story starts. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you what? Continue. I didn't hear that. Continue. I did not hear that. <laughs> he said if you continue in my word. This is the starting place. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You are the ones that I'm talking about. The ones that continue in my word against all odds. Well, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, the day you decide to be a giver and to let God prosper you in the area of giving, that's the day your finances will go haywire. You know why? Because the enemy wants to challenge that word that is on the inside of you. Are you going to pull out or you're going to what? Continue. Those that continue and push through all of the challenges and the circumstances will go on the other side where there is victory. But those that stop and pull back, it was like when they wanted to create an aeroplane that could fly at uh, supersonic speed or a speed that is faster than the speed of sound. So this man who wanted to break that sound barrier got into the airplane and in fact several men had tried and every time they would get to that point to break through the sonic barrier, things in the cockpit, the whole plane would start shaking. Just everything is shaking and it looks like the plane is about to break apart and most people would pull back. Until this one guy decided, you know what, I'm going to press it. Let's see where it goes. And as he was pressing, they say there is what is called a sound boom that happened. Just boom. And then he went to the other side where the plane was moving faster than the speed of sound. And on the other side, things were calmer than they had ever been in all of his flying experience. But he had to press through it. The Bible says every time you receive that word, the enemy will come. 
and bring persecution for the sake of the word. He wants to steal that word from you. Because he knows if you continue in the word, then you can read verse 32 and you shall know the truth. It's only those that continue in the word that can say, I know. Because uh, uh, it's not talk, it's not cheap. It's backed up with experiential knowledge. I know the truth and the truth has set me free. So you can't come from Atlatini and just say, ah, and you shall know the truth. No, the story starts in verse 31. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Let's go now to uh, Proverbs chapter number 3, verse 3, as we close. How many times have I closed now? <laughs> Proverbs 3, verse 3. In fact, let's stand on our feet. It's our Remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you and have a great day.